The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hello and welcome to the Melodramatic Teen Universe. This is your host, Emily Duke, and I am so excited to introduce some incredible comics and just wonderful people who are just mouthing to themselves through Skype in like a really adorable and precious way that really excites me. Please welcome my incredible guests, Ashley Hamilton and Claire Parker. What's up, guys? Oh my God. Sorry. Our dynamic is that we just fight each other. all Like we're like, we bicker like... Catholics who got married in 1942 and just cannot get divorced but absolutely should so I was yelling at her because she was taking a sip of her coffee and I was worried that you could hear it (laughs) okay I couldn't hear your coffee also okay so for context for those of us listening at home this was recorded during corona team um just to be clear so we are not in a studio together we are in our general respective homes clashly of course sharing a home for the purposes of today's podcast we um we share spit, I guess. And so we were just like, well, if one of us has it, the other one has it. People always think we're roommates because we're together so often. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. We just are codependent. We're like emotionally roommates. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've both created like, you know, when like this initially happened and they were like, you can hang out with like a select pod of people. So I don't remember like a pod conversation. I also think that I like did a bad job of following what the fuck was going on so if you want to explain to me a pod conversation that would be great she just made that up I've never no that was the thing they were like you can pick like four people to keep seeing and then then they were like you actually can but then we were already seeing each other every day so it's like if one of us has it the other one has it okay but also this concept of like picking your pod like your family plan that's like the most anxiety inducing thing I can possibly imagine just being like you need to like officially decide your squad and you all need to commit to it and you can't break the squad or you'll all die of corona I do think that if we had friends besides each other, it would have been more stressful. I was just about to say, if I, in a, in a normal situation, saw anybody besides Ashley, I could see how that would be a tough choice. But luckily, I had, I was choosing one of one. So it was less a, it was less a MySpace top eight and more like a prisoner's dilemma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Well, I've been very anxious because my best friend refuses to see me during quarantine. And I think it's brought to light that he, like, maybe thinks I'm dirty. Um, so that's been, like, a big moment in our relationship where we just had to come to terms with the fact that like you know he loves me and we're really codependent and he wants to hang out with me all the time but he doesn't at all trust me not to like lick a subway pole when push comes to shove so that's been I'm eating strangers food off their plates as recently as march 5th okay i need much more information on that what There's... when why i mean sometimes she sees leftovers that look perfectly fine <laughs> and then she thinks who would leave perfectly fine leftovers like a basket of fries right no normal person would eat them but claire believes I, did you like eat a lot of sand when you were little? Do you have a, a lot of immunities? No, it is. I was a waitress for a long time. And the thing about being a waitress is you're like working the hungriest hours. So you're like totally. working the hours that you're the hungriest. And on top of that, your job is to serve food. And you'll work at a restaurant where you hate all the food. But like by hour six, you're so hungry. And you've been like talking the food up to customers the whole time. And you're just like, if I don't get a fucking bite of this grilled chicken. <laughs> sandwich I'm gonna lose my goddamn gourd and then you'll serve it to a girl who will only eat one bite of one half and you're taking it back to throw out this perfect chicken sandwich that you would actually kill for and you were like you know what if I kill somebody for the chicken sandwich I think I would die for this chicken sandwich and you just said to risk it you take a bite and then after a few months you've like taken a bite of most sandwiches and at that point you like lose fear yeah I mean once you've lost the fear 
HPV of the hamburger? What do you mean? Like, um, probably. I think we okay. all have HPV. We all have HPVs. So I was convinced that I didn't have HPV because I had only slept with my high school boyfriend before I got the HPV shot. But then I remembered that my high school boyfriend before me was sleeping with like his father's secretary, like a like middle aged woman. So I actually am like whatever HPV I have is like from like the dinosaurs. Like it's like really intense Godzilla era, like very old, very intense bubonic plague style HPV. That feels like pure too. That's like how they talk about cocaine and weed back in the day, how it was like uncut. Yeah. You have like uncut HPV. Yeah, for sure. Um, You're from New York and then you tell stories like my high school boyfriend was fucking his dad's secretary and I'm just like, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. No, I'm pretty special. Well, that does bring us to, a very important topic. So before we dive in for today's conversation, because obviously Claire and Ashley are such experts on the subject, we are going to be talking about, I'll say friendships vaguely, but the title of this really was more toxic female friendships. Not that I think you guys are toxic. I think you guys are lovely. I, (laughs) I don't think you're toxic and I don't think you're similar to many of the duos that we'll be talking about today, but I do think that you have some good insights into the matter. So before we get into just like dishing about the general toxic female friendships of the MTU, the melodramatic teen universe, I like to always start off by asking people who, which character in the MTU do you identify with? Like generally today, like in the world, Ashley, I know you're going to have a very strong opinion on this, and Claire's going to be like, I don't know, like, Thor? Like, I know that you have, like, very mismatched understanding levels, but would love to hear what your initial thoughts are. I honestly don't know, because I feel, so since going back and re-watching a lot of stuff recently, especially during this teen, um, I feel like I've been... Teen, like, quarantine, not, like, teen, like, teenage. Oh, yeah, during this quarantine, watching a lot of teen dramas again. Got it. And, like, the last year or so rewatching stuff, I feel like everyone that I loved growing up, I watch back, and I'm just like, what the literal fuck is wrong with you? Like, Uh there's so many people that, like, I idolized and thought were, like, like, this, like, in what we'll talk about today, there's, like, in all of these, like, female friendship dynamics, there's always one that I thought was right and better and, like, one that I hated. And then rewatching it, it's always the opposite because I feel like with perspective, I've realized that, like, teenage priorities are stupid. <laughs> so... Um... Cool, 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 cool. Did watching these shows when you were that age, did you understand their priorities? Or do you think, like, the situations were so outlandish that it, like, didn't even translate? The situations were so outlandish, but the things that, like, I prioritized as a person is, like, what was cool and what was, like, acceptable behavior was, like, very different. You know what I mean? Like, One Tree Hill, for example, like, watching it right now, I always thought Peyton was so cool because she, like, listened to rock music and, like, did art. And now... (laughs) I watch her and I'm just like, bitch, I swear. I like deeply remember hating Peyton like at the time. Like I I have always hated Peyton. I've always hated the blondes. Okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. I have something to say and I know it doesn't matter because people can't see me, but I think it matters for the internal dynamic of this podcast that Ashley knows this, but I need you to understand that I identify as blonde. Okay. That's a choice. It's a choice that makes it so from fifth grade so I, when, when was that, that from 2002 
until 2017, I bleach bl- dyed my hair. But also, were you somebody who like you were blonde growing up and you just bleached it to keep it blonde? Because those people yeah. are blonde. Okay, yeah. that's like so my mom, my sister. Like when it started fading, yeah. So when it started fading, I started doing the highlights, and then highlights turned into like double processing. So. And it wasn't just, I mean, I was, when I ended it, I was a white blonde. I was like, it was when Jennifer Aniston and all this, or not Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence and all the celebrities were doing like the ashy cool blonde. I went that blonde and it was like white, like in some, some ways it was almost gray. It was almost like, is there a color? Wasn't it Kim K who started that though? Kim K got it like real aggro. Kim K went like platinum white gray. Um, I feel like they all got, like, there's just a spring they all got it. Yeah, I feel like it was, like, one, I don't know who did it first, because it was, like, a real, like, I, I feel like it started with, like, the pixie cuts. Like, a couple people who yeah. got pixie cuts got, like, those, like, bright white pixie cuts, and then people with longer hair were, like, you could do this even more. Yeah. <laughs> but you did this down to your shoulders. <laughs> double it down. Okay, wait, so, Ashley, any character, okay, who's just, like, your spirit character for the day? Like, if you could trade lives with a character today, who would it be? And it could be anyone. It doesn't have to be of our toxic female friendships. Um, okay, I was going to say um, maybe Joey from Dawson's Creek, but only because I haven't watched that in a long time. And so I like, feel like I like her right now, but also <laughs> I was like looking at pictures of Katie Holmes the other day. And I was like, Sam, she's great. As someone who recently rewatched the pilot of Dawson's Creek, it is like, her behavior is truly appalling. It's like, <laughs> it is, it is truly, truly, truly appalling. Um, but that'll cool. get me on a whole other track. Okay. Claire, so I feel like I did my whole I identify as blonde thing because okay. I needed people to understand. I would say off the bat, Serena. Oh, <laughs> this bitch loves herself. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I feel like I was a very like the center of all the drama. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, me and my life, my blonde hair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just living my life and people are falling apart in the currents of it. Like the wake of who I am is like making culture for my high school. I had a real, specifically in middle school more, I'd say in middle school, okay. I was the blonde it girl. And oh. I, my theory about all these high school shows is that they're more applicable to middle school behavior and dynamics. Except for like all the sex. Besides the sex, but I think, like, the idea of, I think the idea of there being, like, one popular person and everybody kind of surrounding around them and, like, being in each other's business, for me, that was always much more, like, sixth, seventh grade. Because I think by high school, you kind of have your own friends and you don't really care about the people you don't care about. I think that's more about the size of your school because I feel like high school for me was much more than that than middle school, but that's because my middle school was, like, 30 kids and we had all been together for 10 years. So, like, there's only so much drama that can happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, everything that could possibly have happened has happened, whereas my high school was, like, 100 kids. I feel like if you go to a really big high school, that makes a lot of sense. No, I didn't go. I went to a small boarding school, so. Oh, okay. You were just, like, really, like, you were Serena. You were, like, the, like, Jen Lindley Serena. Like, you were just, like, I just, like, understand myself, and I just, like, was popular in middle school, and now I'm over it. But, yeah, well, I guess I was popular, and I might have been, 
I'm one of those people who was like, oh, my high school, we didn't have popular kids. So Only popular kids say that. Literally, <laughs> no unpopular kid has like, ever uttered the words. Like, I think in high school, we were all just like had our friend groups and weren't really aware of the other friend groups. So that's what I would say. And my about- friend group was like really, yeah, like objectively attractive and like, you know, cool and well-read and we like partied and it was amazing. But like, I'm sure other friend groups, you know, like read their books or whatever, <laughs> you know? They were just different. The day students. That was really the, uh, that was the Dan Humphreys of my school were the day students. Oh, wow. That's very That meant they were actually from the hick town where we, because our school was like in the middle of farmland. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so which state was it in? Was it New England boarding school? No, no, no. New Jersey. Okay. Okay. But there were day students. Day students. Yeah. I went to public school, so I don't know. (laughs) I feel I went to like a big public school and so I feel like it it was like kind of like what you said where like everyone just like had their friend group but then there were like popular kids in each like tier you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. there were just like the regular popular kids but then like as high school went on you were like I don't know if they're popular kids or just like drunk sluts <laughs> who like are hotter than everyone else but like I don't want to be them and then there was like like jock popular kids who were just like also pretty but played sports and then there you know what I mean it was just like yeah. there was different like facets of it so if you weren't like in it you weren't bullied like I feel like I had a group of friends that we just kind of like did our own thing and it wasn't like we weren't like outcasts we just like weren't in like the clique that everyone was like looking at because yeah. we weren't like, they were like loud you know what I mean <laughs> They, like, did a lot of, like, coordinated dances. That's what I could always yeah. tell. I guess that's a middle school thing. Or if they were just, like, screaming in the hallways more than everybody else. And then <laughs> you just, like, looked at them. And they were, like, everyone's looking at us. We're so cool. And it's, like, I don't know if I'm looking at you because I don't know. You know what I mean? They were just, like, yelling a lot and wearing matching outfits. <laughs> yeah, matching up. I feel like there were a lot of choreographed dances. I feel like that's how you knew if you were yeah. a popular girl. Is that like, did you and your friends choreograph a dance for the talent show? And like, were you confident enough to perform it? Like, that's, yeah. that's, I think what Mean Girls got right more than anything else is like only somebody with such internalized popularity would be like, I'm gonna put on a Santa uniform and like shake my ass to a Christmas song at a talent show. <laughs> Yeah, I do know what you mean though about the girl who like always assumes she's being watched because I can see her now even in her 20s and 30s if you ever like look across the room and see a girl like laughing and throwing her head back you're like oh she thinks everybody is watching her from a is that scene in every rom-com where like the guy falls in love with the girl because she and she doesn't it's like in wedding crashers and they fall in love with Rachel McAdams because her like perfectly tousled hair is just bouncing in the wind and she's laughing and she's playing with a little girl they're dancing on her feet or something oh my God, she's so happy she has no internalized trauma it's so exciting for her yeah. but also just to be clear what you just described is Serena Vanderwoodson like that is the entire yeah. premise of the pilot of Gossip Girl is Dan Humphrey like falling in love with Serena Vanderwoodson just because she is this like Blot. like yeah she's just radiant like her mane is 80 percent of her personality she's just this like beautiful radiant goddess with like i will say like a pretty wet blanket of a personality like serena is not cool or interesting or funny in any way no it's so interesting because that is one where like when i was watching it when i was younger i was like serena is incredible like serena is so cool and so like charismatic and bright 
And then I like rewatched like, it. I, what made you think she was bright? Like I what in Serena's behavior was she like? Literally so lit from within. That's what I meant bright, like like oh. being. Oh, I, I thought you meant like she like hard. reads a lot of prose. I was like, what? No, no. And I just feel like watching it when I was younger, I was just like blinded by her like effortless beauty. Like she does just like look in a direction and you're like, oh my god, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Like I think Blake Lively is so beautiful. And then watching it back now, I was like, oh, my God, all she ever does is, like, cause problems and, like, is not a good friend. She's a very – okay, so this is the – I think the biggest pillar of toxic female friendships, obviously, which we're talking about excessively, so I just need to, like, nail it down and clarify it, is Blair and Serena, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So Blair and Serena's relationship – from what I can tell, is basically born out of, in the pilot, we find out that Serena, like, ran away to boarding school for a year because of some combination of having slept with her best friend's boyfriend, but also that her brother was in a mental institution that was possibly gay conversion therapy, something along those lines. It's pretty unclear exactly what's going on there. But Serena comes back to town. Blair does not know Serena has slept with her boyfriend, but is quite angry that Serena returns because she's like, hey, you were my best friend and you just fell off the face of the fucking earth for a year. Like, that was a dick move. And Serena's appalled that Blair is angry. Serena is such a victim here. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Serena? Like, you're an asshole. I mean, yeah. I, d- I actually did watch season one and two of Gossip Girl, so this is, like, the one thing I can... And I know this it's TV and it's fantasy and it's besides the point, but I just want to say as somebody who did go to boarding school, I am obsessed with the idea that in response to, like, some pretty petty friendship drama, you would proceed to take... Uh, not the AC... You have to take the SSATs, which is a standardized <laughs> test to apply to these schools. You then would have to do an on-campus interview. You would have to do a admitted student's day response. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but you don't on a dime apply to a private school oh yeah no she leaves for boarding school like the day after she fucks this kid like nobody's found out that she fucked Nate she just goes to boarding school the next day found out later that the real impetus is like after she fucked Nate she went to that hotel room with Georgina and and then they like that guy overdosed on cocaine and died and so then she was like I killed him I can't be here anymore but really she just like passed him the cocaine that killed him which is like which she didn't even really like pass it to him. I don't well, I guess she passed it to him, but yeah. it's kind of implied it was his cocaine. Yeah. Also, no, yeah. She just like he said, like, pass me that, and she did. <laughs> like a bit <laughs> under duress. Like I murdered him. Okay. So but I will say that aside, so logistics, which is obviously, I mean, we're suspending our disbelief, but I am somebody who's like a big believer that it is very easy not to fuck a guy that your friend likes or specifically is actively dating. There are yeah. 7 it's billion people hard. in this planet. <laughs> Find another one. In New York City, do you know, go to downtown. I mean, truly to not fuck your friend's boyfriend is the easiest job. Yeah, yeah. I truly, it is truly appalling. I will say, I remember feeling so betrayed when I found out that that wasn't even the impetus for Serena leaving when it's revealed that she's like, Oh no, I didn't even leave because I fucked your boyfriend. I left because I killed a guy. Like, it's like, okay. Yeah. It's like fucking your boyfriend bothered me, but not that bad. Also, I mean, you want to talk about a bad friendship, talk about a bad sister. Okay. So you abandoned your friend, but also your brother tried to kill himself and you were like, "Mm, I gotta get out of town. Sorry. Hope you (laughs) fare well here. I mean, truly way to abandon everybody who needs you or even was counting on you in the slightest. Like just, 
Yeah. Serena is the fucking worst. I will also say, I mean, the whole dynamic of Blair and Serena, like, from the pilot, from the jump, Blair is set up as this, like, Lady Macbeth-style, like, incredibly jealous character. That's, like, the whole thing. That's, like, she's only mean to Serena because she's jealous of her inner light because everybody's in love with Serena and Serena's so perfect and, like, gets away with murder and Blair's just jealous about it. And it's, like, okay, but, like, Blair is allowed to be annoyed by that, but also I think what Blair's actually annoyed by is, like, her incredibly dear friend who she has been there for and supported and, like, whatever, like completely bailed on her, fucked her boyfriend, like, rant, like, of course she fucking hates the bitch. Like, fuck her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like a lot of the things, like, I do think the later seasons, like, really, like, reverted Blair into, like, this shitty, petty character. But, like, I also think that, like, in the earlier seasons, I feel like Blair really just, like, wanted control. She had, like, a mom who, like, you, like, see her history of bulimia. She, like, had a mom who was just, like, very harsh with her. She had a best friend who, like, could not give two shits about her. She a had gay a dad, right? Who fucked her friend. She yeah. had a gay dad who she was sad because as soon as he came out, he just moved to fucking Italy with Paris. his friend. I mean, Paris, these are two whatever. key relationships that have abandoned her for something better immediately. Everyone. Everybody yeah. leaves her for a better option. No wonder she feels insecure. Yeah, and she has these, like, minions, these people that she, like, bosses around, but only because she, like... First of all, she doesn't respect them. Second of all, she just, like, needs – she's, like, if I don't, like, yell at them and, like, keep these people in fear, then, like, no one will have a reason to stay around. And I need them to know that they, like, have to be here. Otherwise, I'll socially ruin them. Yeah. Okay. Can we also – so I have this vivid memory of in college when I had this, like, very beautiful – I call them flopsy. This is my term for, like – I invented it in high school with my best friend about this girl that was a year older than us that we had a major crush on because she, like, was always wearing, like, forest green hunter boots and, like, cute little plaid skirts. And, like, she just wore, like, random, like, collections of, like, really cute things and always looked perfect. And, like, she just, like, dropped out of bed but was wearing, like, $9,000 worth of jewelry for no reason. Like, it was all very confusing. So flopsy is our word for basically anyone that just, like, kind of, like, flop. They just, like, flop around, and, like, everything's just, like, really good for them. They're just, like, flopping about, and, like, everything's just, like, I'm very, like, I flop. Like, I make no effort to do anything, and everything just, like, works out perfectly. Serena was obviously incredibly flopsy. Blair resented it, which is completely fucking fair. It makes no sense that they made up in the first place, but, like, fine. It's kind of implied it's a political choice on the part of Blair, which I think is really unfair to her. Like, I'm like, no, she just, like, this was her best friend for a really long time, and she's, like, addicted to this abusive relationship, functionally. Yeah, like, the only person who cares about her is her maid. <laughs> yeah, Dorota is the, and Chuck, obviously, you know. Oh, eventually, but not in the beginning. In the beginning, mm-hmm. Chuck was just, like, trying to get her virginity to, like, be like, ha, gotcha. He was too busy raping people yeah. to love anybody. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He was just like, oh, no, that's how we see that Chuck is human, because we're like, oh, my God, he's not even trying to rape this girl that everybody else is violating emotionally. <laughs> like, it's like, that's, like, what he is. But, I mean, he is trying to use her as a prize. So. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, there also, lest we forget, is an entire plot line in which he sells her sex to his uncle for a hotel. Yeah. That's, like, a literal thing. Claire, I know you didn't get there, but in season six, his uncle... Ashley, can you, like, explain that plot line? Because I, like, can't. Okay, so his uncle basically uses a woman. So Chuck never met his mother and believed that she died during childbirth. But then he finds out that she did not die during childbirth. She actually just, like, didn't want him and ran away. And then... um, Yeah, nobody wants Chuck or Blair. That's why they're perfect for each other. Right. So Chuck's dad has died at this point. And 
Chuck sees someone like laying flowers at his grave and like realizes that maybe it's his mother, but it turns out it's this whole plot from his uncle to basically like they get him to trust this woman as his mother. And then they do like this smear campaign against Chuck. And so then the people who are staying in his, like people start boycotting his hotel. And then they drug Chuck and like, take photos of him sleeping with prostitutes and like publish yeah, yeah, them yeah, yeah. yeah and they're like he's a child like he can't be running a hotel and it's like okay how about you just like publish that he's 17 like I don't think we yeah. needed to see him like sleeping with prostitutes to like think he's too immature to run a hotel empire and then they basically are like the only way to save this is if you say that you're signing your hotel over to someone more responsible and now that your mother's back in your life you could sign it over to her and then when you're ready she'll sign it back to you so he signs his empire over to her and then she is like psych I've been working with Jack the whole time so then Jack now so she sends it over to Jack and he like the uncle and now he owns the hotel and everything Chuck has ever worked for in his you know 18 long years (laughs) no he's like year and a half since like he decided to work and then, um, and then the uncle is like, I'll give you back your hotel, but you give me Blair for one night. And so then Chuck's like, okay. <laughs> Chuck's like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, let's do it. Like, oh my God, no, the, the meanest part though was that he didn't just do it. He like told Blair, he's like, I said, I won't do it. He asked for you. And so then she goes to Jack and is like, I'm doing this for Chuck. But then she finds out that Chuck manipulated her into thinking it was her idea. Yeah, because Chuck knew that she would say no if he asked her to do it. But he knew that if he didn't ask her to do it, she would just, like, do it out of the goodness of her heart and, like, her snatch. Yeah. Like, because she loves him so much. It's like these – oh, God, it's so bad. Okay. So the other plotline – so, okay. What I was going back to about Flopsy, Jesus, there's so much here. Um, I think we need to stop the podcast so I can, like, take a nap and, like, digest what you fucking just told to me. That's, like, quite honestly, like, a pretty small plot line. <laughs> like, that's, like, as far as Gossip Girl goes, that's, like, a pretty small thread. Like, that's really, that's, like, yeah, maybe three episodes, like, like season six. Episodes. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's in, like, a season that, like, very little happens in comparatively. Like, I feel like they both almost die in a car accident, like, two days later. <laughs> like, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, and also two days before. There are a lot of car accidents most of them on purpose <laughs> well because it's like in most teen dramas like the birth control doesn't work but in gossip girl like cars don't work like everybody <laughs> is just like always die like cars and plant like any like vehicle is unsafe as opposed to like sex is unsafe because gossip yeah. girl was so progressive <laughs> they were like no they have condoms like nobody's getting pregnant but like everybody's dying in a car accident <laughs> Yeah, and it's, like, everyone's afraid to take the subway, so this is a believable plot line. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, obviously. Okay. Oh, so Flopsy. So flopsy, I had this sorry. friend in college. I had this friend in college who was, like, very Flopsy. And I remember there was, like, some, um, like, boating outing at my college where we were all, like, okay, we're going to, like, ride tubes down a river. I don't know why I said boats. It wasn't boats. We got, like, inner tubes, and, like, we all tied them together and, like, rolled them down a river because we were in rural New Hampshire, and that's, like, what you do. And we're all, like, let's get alcohol poisoning and, like, put ourselves in harm's way. Like, that's brilliant. Um, And my really good friend who was really flopsy got invited onto, like, the float with all of these, like, dudes I was friends with, and they, like, didn't have room for me, and I was, like, oh, because I'm, like, too fat to be on your float. I, like, got really intense about it, and I was, like, really hurt because I, like, wasn't on the float with my best friend, and she abandoned me, and mm-hmm. then I was talking to our other friend about it, and he was just kind of, like, 
I totally understand. Like, it's totally fine. And then when he talked to her, this was repeated back to me later. He told her that I was, quote, having, I was just having some Blair Serena feelings. Like, I was just like, and he was like, you know how you guys just have this Blair and Serena thing where she's just like constantly jealous of you? And I was like, no, the Blair Serena issue is that she just like treats me like shit. Like, I was like, that's what's happening. Like, this isn't just born out of jealousy. I feel like a lot of, there are like a lot of different kinds. I feel like it really is easy to paint it as like a jealousy. Like there's just like one shiny friend and one shadow friend. Like that's why like the like Caroline Calloway and Natalie Beach story went viral. Like it's because it's so relatable. Wait, yeah. To, like, explain. That. Can you explain that whole breakdown to me? Because I'm like still very confused there. Honestly, I like can't even get into it because I, I could. just read another leg of it. I'll do, do it. it. Claire, Claire, <laughs> okay, you're so up, girl. Caroline Calloway, as you may or may not know, Wait, hold viral- on. pause for one second. I need everyone to know that on this Skype video, I've been looking at both Claire and Ashley this entire time, and when Claire just began to speak, she just fully pivoted the laptop over to herself, cutting Ashley out of frame. And it was, it was truly beautiful. Sorry. She was just like, bitch, it's time to go. And I need my framing. Okay. Continue. Okay. Go for it. Spotlight. Preparing this monologue for easily six to eight months. Okay, yeah. You have been. Okay, okay, anyway, Caroline Calloway was an Instagram sensation who went viral often for doing these long, um, captions about this like magical rich life that she was living at Cambridge. She talked about being rich, hanging out with princes, hanging out with dukes, like living this like over the top Hogwarts life that she sold back to Americans who didn't get to participate. Um, she then moved back to New York after graduating and started becoming an influencer and having all these creative workshops where you could spend like $800 and be taught basically how to use a mason jar with paint. All of these things, she was, she also got like something like a $300,000 book deal uh, advance. Great. So it went huge and everybody was like, what is she? She's just an Instagram star. Of course she was overstretched. She could not do a, a cross country tour of creativity workshops that up that held up to the $600 price of admission standard that she had set for herself. She canceled all of the events. Nobody got refunds. And then she defaulted on her book, spent all the money and never provided a manuscript. At this point, all of these articles were written about her, like on vice and websites like that, calling her a scammer saying she scammed everybody out of their money. She claims that she had an Adderall addiction and that she was in a deep depression and that she completely fell apart. She took a couple months off. She came back and uh, now she has this new Instagram persona where she completely adopted and adapted to the scammer ID- identity and started being like, yeah, I was a scammer. Like she was like, use the scammer almost like Taylor Swift used snake basically. And, and she was saying she wasn't a scammer, but she was like, I'm going to take this on. This is what the media wants to portray me as. She was like, like I'm a bad bitch. Basically. Yeah. And she was like, I'm an Adderall addict. And she's like, I had this whole persona based on live. I love how an Adderall addiction is like the best she can do. It's like when Demi Moore was like, I'm addicted to whippets. Like, like calm yeah. down, like do yeah. cocaine, be an adult. Well, yeah, exactly. And so she was like, I was an addict. Sorry for the way I treated people when I was an addict. And then she kind of did this thing, this 180 where she was like, my old persona on Instagram was this glamorized bullshit idea that I was this rich girl jumping about in Cambridge. Turns out she has a manically depressed father. She like comes from like a very lower middle class background. She had been faking the whole thing. She had been completely like, she created this entire persona out of nothing and sold it back to people. And she's like, so you didn't like my bullshit lies. And now I'll tell you the truth. And it's basically like, I'm depressed. I was an Adderall addict. And it's like pictures of her zits. There's very no filter. It's very like, let's take everything away. I'll show you who I really am if that's what you want to see. But also still somehow wildly disconnected. Yeah, it was like weirdly like, super self-absorbed and sometimes on the money and sometimes like how could you be this out of touch fascinating 
Then Natalie Beach, her best friend from college, writes this article in The Cut saying that she was basically it got taken to mean that she was Caroline Calloway's ghostwriter. They claimed that she had invented the persona that sold her manuscript, got her, her book deal. Okay. But in this essay for the cut, it basically talks about how she was like abused by um, Caroline, how she was so obsessed with pretty Caroline and Caroline would take her to England and like took her all over and made her work the whole time. And she was just always the girl with the camera. And she was always like the ugly friend. And Caroline was this beautiful outgoing friend. And she just wanted, she was obsessed with Caroline. She just wanted to be Caroline. She had been doing all the work for free. And then at the end of the day, she got no credit. And now they're not friends at all. Okay. Everything blows up. So this, this article blows up. Everyone's saying that Caroline didn't even write her own Instagrams. And then her dad commits suicide. Jesus. Unrelated. Yeah. Unrelated, but it was like the a lot. The timing was everything. Okay, so you had- know if this was Gossip Girl, it would have come out that like Natalie's vindictive uncle killed him. Yes, exactly. And okay, we were cool. kind of, it's even dead. But yeah. basically, so now she's been like rehabbing her whole thing persona being like, I did write those. I was a bad friend because I was addicted to Adderall, but I did write those Instagram captions. I didn't have a ghostwriter. She just helped me. And now she's coming out with a response essay that Ashley read the first part of. Okay. Yeah. So her response essay. So this story went viral in October. And now I guess with the quarantine and also her just like never having a job to begin with, she finally has the time to write her response. And she wrote a response basically saying the exact same thing she's been saying on Instagram this whole time of like, Everyone wants to paint me as a scammer, but I wrote it. And Natalie was just as abusive to me as I was to her. And this honestly makes it more Blair Serena because it was initially written from the perspective of like Caroline was this like shiny, beautiful thing that Natalie just wanted to like soak like the like any attention that reflected off of Caroline, like being associated with her was so great. But Caroline's response was a wildly incoherent, but B was very much like Natalie was. Like, why is it that, like, I was using her? Like, she was using me for this, like, attention and this whatever. And, like, she didn't invent anything. We, like, had these ideas and we made a project. And, like, why did she get, like, money from doing... She was, like, like, stealing my light. But, like, like, not even stealing my light. She's, like, why would it be, like, a situation where, like, we're friends who go on a trip and I, like, pay you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like another funny thing I read one time was in the Natalie in the Natalie Beach original essay. She was talking about like going out and how the men would always hit on Caroline, and she has this line about being at the bar with Caroline and wearing two pairs of leggings because it was so cold. And meanwhile, Caroline's in a skirt and beautiful. And I saw someone on Twitter goes, "Bitch, she didn't tell you to wear two pairs of leggings." <laughs> Like, like that's your own fault. That was a choice you made. Like, it became this thing where, like, she, like, you can tell that she really, like, identified as the frumpy friend. And so then she, like, became the frumpy friend. And then, like, everything that Caroline wasn't, like, giving her was something that was being taken away from her. And it's, like, that's not how it is either. Like, it is this, like, weird, like, symbiotic toxicness. But this (laughs) is also the whole thing with Blair and Serena is that, like, first of all, Blair is, like, not frumpy. Like, we all viewed Blair as frumpy when we were watching it as children. We were, like... You are, Serena is the princess of everything and Blair is just like second fiddle because that's very much how it's set up initially, largely because basically it's set up that when Serena comes back to town, Blair is worried because Blair has replaced Serena as the queen. And now that (laughs) Serena is back, Blair's power is threatened. That's like the setup, right? Right. It's just so weird because I really feel like Serena is also beautiful just, like, in spite of everything they did to her. Like, luckily, Blake Lively is just so beautiful. Because when you look back at it, it's like they're both dressed insane the whole time. Like, (laughs) 
Claire is constantly wearing like yellow tights and it's just like what the fuck is happening here <laughs> like Serena is always wearing like either like a shiny sweater vest or like a skirt with like a tie and it's just like what and it's not even for school like this is like when they were in college one time she was wearing like a shiny tie and it's like I just don't think you should have done I that. feel like Serena had some really like mind-blowing looks though like her first day of school outfit with like the loose black tie and the vest and like the plaid skirt yeah. like I like that was pretty intense um it was built around like her being like too chic to follow the rules of a school uniform it was cool but then when they were out of school and she was just like wearing insane shit because she picked it, I was like, I don't you think need to this chill. Is right. Yeah. But objectively, okay, so Blair is pissed because like Serena is going to like steal her power or whatever. But also then we find out that Serena slept with her boyfriend, which is like horribly inexcusable and not okay. Moving forward, like there are a bunch of moments where Serena's like trying to apologize and be a good friend, but Blair is just like kind of snippy and pissed. And then there's an episode that I remember very intensely where Serena becomes a socialite because she becomes best friends with Poppy Lipton, Lipson, mm-hmm. Lipson, whatever, yeah. and like ends up walking Blair's mom's runway instead yeah. of watching it with Blair, and Blair's like really hurt and upset. This yeah. is a plot line, right? Yeah, 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 it is. Like, I just, I honestly don't know where I fall down on that. Because it is true that, like, maybe Blair should be supporting her friend, like, getting this huge opportunity, possibly. But also, Serena's kind of being a sociopath in the way she's delivering this news. She's just like, you have to, like, you're jealous of me and, like, I won't let you steal my light. Which is sociopathic yeah. to say to your best friend. I think the problem with that dynamic that, like, like, my favorite book is this book called My Brilliant Friend. And um, it's about... Oh, I've heard it's great. It's incredible. And it's kind of all about female friendships and, like, how intensely... I think, like, the key to that book that makes it so good is how intensely jealous the narrator is of her best friend. And then, of course, you realize the the narrator has the better life. Like, the narrator gets everything the best friend wants. And the best friend is intensely jealous of the narrator, too. And there's this misunderstanding of she's like, oh, my friend, she got everything comes so easily to her. She gets everything. She's just, like, so naturally smart, so naturally beautiful. And then as she gets older, she realizes all of the secret work that was being put into it, like at night when she wasn't looking, that she wasn't just this incredible student. She was working so hard when nobody was looking. And like, that's part of it. And I kind of feel like the Blair, like the problem with Serena was there was never like a a moment of her. I don't like, I feel like good jealousy friendships in media, you see what they need from each other. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's so beautiful about Blair and Serena is that, like, it does start off, like, okay, cool, Serena slept with Nate, where, like, that was shitty and whatever, but it's clearly, like, it's a symptom of a much larger issue where Blair is, like, you can't have Nate also, you have everything, which, like, they do this with Yale when all of a sudden Serena, like, wants to go to Yale for, like, no fucking reason and, like, gets in because she's a socialite, which, like, also, what the fuck? You don't, like, get into college because you're a socialite? Like, at least not Yale. You get into, like, USC because you're a socialite. I don't know. I feel like if you have enough powerful people just saying, get this girl in, that's all it takes. I think all it is. God, is that's such a bummer. I think the most unbelievable part about that plot line was this whole narrative that, like, only one person from each of the <laughs> go to the Ivy League. Yeah. And so then, like, Serena got the Yale spot. And it's like, yeah. that is truly psychotic. These are the richest kids in New York City. All of them could go to Yale if they just push the button. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and then Serena turns it down and it goes to Nellie Yuki. Yeah. Oh, but my God. 
So there is, honestly, I feel like some good resolution towards the end that then gets undone because like the last season was a disaster because then they started showing, well, first of all, there's like a part when they are all suddenly going to Columbia. They just like all transferred yeah. to Columbia at some point. I don't really get it. Yeah. No offense. Claire went to Columbia. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> it used to be a big deal, but then everyone from Gossip Girl just transferred there because they felt like it. I do believe that Gossip Girl made Brown happen. Gossip Girl, Gossip Girl did probably make Brown happen because it's where Serena I, wanted to go, but she did transfer. But also, Blair went to NYU originally, and Dan went to NYU also because his parents couldn't afford to send him to Yale where he wanted to go, but they could afford to send him to NYU. Like, they treat NYU like it's like a state school. <laughs> NYU, where tuition... They basically decided NYU was... They, like, posed it as a state school. And then... um. Yeah, and that, like, plotline fully makes no home. sense. They're like, you can't go to Yale because it's too expensive. You're going to have to go to NYU. Like, I'm so sorry, son. Like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, no. This is anyway, so Oh, the end season. Yeah. Um, so when they were all going to Columbia, and then all of a sudden everything was going well for Blair because she was, like, happy with Chuck. She, like, got into that secret society and Serena didn't. And, like, all these things were going really well for Blair and really bad for Serena. And then you, like, see Serena sort of, like, jealous of like or Blair's like you're just mad at me because like I'm finally the one who's like shining here and then you realize it's just because like Juliet is this psychopath that's like actively ruining Serena's life (laughs) do you know what I mean like she's not actually doing worse she just has someone who's like actively sabotaging her every move she's like failing out of classes because she's like sending like sex to Serena's teachers like it's all this random shit that like so, like, Serena's not actually flailing at that point. She's just being, like, ruined by a psycho. Yeah, but it's, like, this relationship is clearly so toxic if there's such little trust. Like, I just feel like Gossip Girl just wavers so intensely as to whether or not they, like, deeply love each other or just, like, deeply distrust question. each other. It's, like, why do they stay friends? Yeah. I have no idea. Okay, so I want to get to that at the mm-hmm. end because I think we we do need to talk about Brooke and Peyton a bit because I will say that like what I love about Serena and Blair is that again it starts with this dude thing but then it like very quickly moves well beyond the land of the dick like it's not about dick it's about like their general jealousies with one another whereas Brooke and Peyton's entire drama is based on wanting to fuck the same people like that's it that's yeah. the only Doesn't reason there is conflict no, no, not until the end. Not until the end. The uh, whole, like, okay, so if you're unfamiliar with One Tree Hill, as Clara is, like, the entire premise of it is, like, there is no birth control. And so this guy accidentally impregnated his high school girlfriend. And then he was like, fuck your baby, I don't care. And he went to college. And then he accidentally impregnated his college girlfriend, like, the first semester. Yeah, like, the first day. And so these kids are, like, three months apart in age. But he decides to marry and raise the child of the college girlfriend and bring her back to his hometown where his other ex-girlfriend and child reside, like, a small town in North Carolina. And the two sons one of whom is, like, the actual son of the father and the other of whom is raised by his mother alone, go to school together forever. And that's Nate and that's that, Chad Michael Murray and then the brunette. That's Chad Michael Murray and James Lafferty. So Lucas and Nathan Scott. And they, like, know about each other, but, like, never really interact. And, like, Nathan is, like, the star of the basketball team, but, like, Lucas never played, like, mainstream he like plays basketball with his friends but he doesn't play on like the school teams because he knows that like that Nathan's like big thing and that the dad will always be at the games cheering him on and like the mom going to the games like hurts her too much to like see 
the dad who abandoned them both, like, at the same court, like, cheering for his other son. So the hill in One Tree Hill is women's general fertility. I am so unclear what the hill is. The town is called Tree Hill. I have no idea why it's one. I have no idea. One and, the, and a hill of children that he's produced. Yeah, exactly. It's like he a has full a tree on top of like a mound of babies. Of and babies. He like, and he does. He didn't only just like abandon the son. So like when the basketball coach like realizes that the other son also is like great at basketball, and wants to like recruit him for the team. The dad like goes and like screams at the coach and is like, "How dare you recruit this fucking piece of." street trash who's my other son on <laughs> yeah. the team. like he doesn't belong here he belongs in the garbage with his mom <laughs> like, who is also in love with- okay we're getting distracted but the entire yeah. premise so brooke and peyton are best friends peyton is like this like cheerleader who's like also an artist and like listens to death cab and like draws like, is weird- sophia bush no, hillary peyton. burton hillary burton the mtv vj hillary burton plays yeah. okay. sawyer yeah, and they're Hillary Burton and Sophia Bush are best friends forever and ever. But it's set up as like Peyton is really dark and tortured, and like her mom died, and like everything's really blonde? hard for her. Yeah, super blonde. But that's too far for me to go. That is one tree too far on a hill. I, if she's gonna be dark and tortured, she needs to be a brunette. And I no, think no, that's no, no, fair. no. I think they had to make her blonde to like because otherwise, if she's just a dark, tortured brunette, like why is she a cheerleader? Like why that's is she dating awesome. anyone? No, she explains that she was a cheerleader because her mom was a cheerleader. And so even though her mom, like, died in a horrific car crash, she has to, like, be like her mom. Yeah, um, but also, like, she got her blonde hair from her mom. I'm just saying the blondness, it was, like, involves her in the clique. Like, if she's just this, like, artist, she's not yeah. in the universe. So, like, okay, so- Peyton is b- dating James Lafferty, Nathan Scott, the, like, captain of the basketball team, really popular but then she secretly starts falling in love with his half-brother, Lucas. But obviously she has another boyfriend. And then her best friend, Sophia Bush, basically... No, first Lucas tells Peyton he loves her and tries to hook up with her. And he, yeah. she's like, ew, because she's afraid of intimacy. Because she's like, has a MySpace page and like is a cam girl and like can't handle it. And rejects yeah. him. And then Brooke, her best friend, Sophia Bush, shortly thereafter sleeps with him. And Peyton is, like, heartbroken and tortured because she hadn't admitted to anybody. Sophia Bush did nothing wrong. Peyton did not tell anyone that she liked Lucas. She laid no claims. She was dating somebody else. But this, like, broke her heart into a million pieces. And she's just, like, watching it happen and watching it unfold. And it's like, Sophia Bush is so wrong for him and, like, so superficial and, like, super, like, slutty and whatever and just like is generally feeling horrible about the situation and then Peyton starts secretly hooking up with him behind Brooke's back that's yeah. like the first season yeah but he but she's Once like but I'm in love with him you're to not fuck your best friend's boyfriend or no you can do it or I'll posit it this way how hard could it be to not fuck your boyfriend's brother yeah well they, well, they had early. broken up at that like point. episode two they break up. I would still say once you fucked somebody with a last name you get nobody else with that last name is that fair that's fair unless you don't double dip in a family no but you or don't get a Jewish and it's like Schwartz's and it's a different Schwartz yeah but you don't get a double dip in a literal gene pool yeah yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that's fair so okay so this is the whole thing so Peyton starts sleeping with Brooke. Brooke is livid, obviously. Brooke, like, hates them both, freaks out, whatever. Eventually, this somehow resolves, and Brooke and Lucas get back together because, for some reason, Lucas Lucas and Peyton can't be together. And then Peyton, again, tells 
Brooke that she's in love with Lucas and is like, but I'm asking your permission now. Like, I'm not fucking him, but I am telling you that I'm in love with him. And I know you're in love with him too, but I am in love with him. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to fuck him. And Brooke is obviously quite appalled and is like, no, we're dating and we're in love. And like, our relationship is real. It is at this point, one of the best twists I have seen in One Tree Hill. They are not speaking. They absolutely hate each other because Peyton was like, basically like, I'm coming for your man, bitch. And Brooke is like, you need to fuck off. When it is released at a party, a sex tape of Brooke sleeping with the other brother while he was dating Peyton. I forgot about that. Yes. Holy shit. But Peyton also dated... Wait, so no, no, no. Dated Nathan and then fell in love with Lucas, but then, and Lucas. Lucas is the garbage Peyton one. Nathan is the captain. So like yeah, Peyton's dating Lucas, the captain. Peyton, and, I love you. But he was like, oh, no intimacy. So then he started dating Brooke, then slept with Peyton and then started dating Brooke again. And then Peyton was like, no, I still love him. But then it turns out that Brooke also slept with Pete, with Nathan when he was with Peyton. Can I just say One Tree Hill or four possible teams? Why are there nobody else to fight? Like, <laughs> there just like aren't a lot of options in One Tree Hill. You know what I mean? Like, all- ends up marrying Haley when they're seventeen. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, there's also that. Pregnant, right? No. Yeah. Who no. Pregnant? Nathan um, and Haley are not pregnant. They get pregnant they- after they get married. They get married at seventeen for no fucking reason. Just because yeah. they're like, we're so in love. I think also because she didn't want to lose her virginity without being married, maybe. I also think, yeah, I think she just like wanted to move in with him or something because she like, her parents were like poor or something like that. I don't know. No, she had like a lot of siblings, but like Nathan was sad because his dad sucked. So he had his own apartment. Yeah. And he was like, if I can have my own apartment, I can have a wife. <laughs> like that was his whole perception. So basically... Everybody should everybody. not be friends. They should not be friends, but they continue to be best friends continually and like treat each they other like sisters. Can't and it even makes get no through like sense. who's late. Like I mean, I the know. fights we have are like whose fault is it that we're seven minutes behind schedule? If we fucked each other's, boy- I will say our boyfriends have like the same name, so that could get tricky. I could see yeah. how it could happen by mistake. I could. If you told me you two were dating twins, I would believe you. If you were like, yeah, we found these twins, like it would be like that Gilmore Girls episodes where like twins date twins. Oh I God. do think we should look into that. That would be so fun. If we both end up single, we should like. And then we could all get one big house. Rich <gasps> twins. Let's get rich twins. We'll buy us a house. I think we would go on vacation a lot. This is like deeply a reality TV show that I like want to watch and maybe fund. I don't know. Maybe like my life's oh my goal God. is to like make enough money to buy you a house to like marry some twins. I would love that. And you know what would be really fun, though? I feel like the special episodes would be holidays when we go to our husband's family and, like, take up, like, they have their own family traditions. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to watch this podcast in real time. <laughs> and, like, we make their Christmas Merry about Christmas us. morning. Here's your guest. <laughs> but also you do realize that if this is a TV show, there has to be a moment where you guys accidentally sleep with the wrong twin. Like, it has to happen. That's fine. Season they're, two. Even, they're just props. I don't care about them. It's just like, if I sleep with your husband, you just... <laughs> we just like we always have one on reserve <laughs> well okay so I was just watching the episode did you guys watch Buffy yeah okay so I was just watching the episode of Buffy where Faith it takes over Buffy's body basically there's a body switch of and after the body switch like the person that's not in their body fucks that person's 
boyfriend. I will say that's rape these days. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but basically, Faith is in Buffy's body and fucks Buffy's boyfriend. And Buffy's like pretty triggered by it because like I it wasn't her. But I was like, but it's not like I wouldn't be as mad. Okay, which would you rather? Would you rather somebody fuck? your soul in somebody else's body or your body with somebody else's soul in it because I'd rather the latter like I don't want somebody else's juices on like my partner's junk Mm. I I feel like it's about the I feel like it's about your soul is that cheesy oh my god I think it is because I'm like if if someone if my boyfriend if someone was in my body and my boyfriend like couldn't tell I'd be like what the literal fuck is wrong with you like how do you because also we don't just like see each other from across the room and like start banging we just like we have we talk to each other you know and I feel like oh look at you (laughs) wow this bitch okay mostly because like I never shut the fuck up and so I feel like if I feel like if he was like having sex with someone who like just like was chill and was like time for sex and didn't just like I don't know you think like if I as a test tonight please initiate sex with like very little like just be like hey, like, let's have sex and just see if he goes for it or if he's like, was there a body switch? Like, I yeah. want to test him to see if his assumption was that somebody... He grabs you by the shoulders and goes, Claire, you <laughs> in there. Get out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, so you'll get back to us on that. Yeah, you'll obviously get back to us on that. That's, like, very important to me that I understand how much he knows about you in that moment. Um, okay. I mean, the last toxic friendship I wanted to talk about, which I like, don't even think we necessarily have time for is Paris Geller and Paris Geller and Rory Gilmore. Okay. Um, I actually did watch a lot of Gilmore Girls and I just rewatched a few weeks ago, the pilot episodes because I was trying to explain the plot to my boyfriend and he could not understand it. He kept being like Gilmore Girls. And he was like, okay, so there's like a mom and she has two daughters. And then it's about the daughters. And I was like, no, it's about a mom and a daughter. And he was like, okay, so there's like a mom and a daughter and a daughter. And I was like, there is, but that, those aren't the girls. And he just like couldn't. And I was like, okay, may, would it help you if I said Gilmore <laughs> woman and young woman? I feel like the calling them girls really threw him off. I was like, like, like legit children. <laughs> I was like, do you, would it help you if I told you that the mother is my age? Like, would yeah. it help you that she's literally my, like, it's like what it you called me a girl. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> so you would call her a girl. Well, okay. So I think the reason the Paris Rory thing works is because they start as enemies and it grows very naturally into a friendship. Whereas yeah. with Blair and Serena, it's like they're friends and then they're enemies and then they're friends and then they're enemies. Like it's like this very punctuated thing. I feel like, oh, I also was going to say, I feel like with both Blair and Serena and with Peyton and um, Brooke, you have this like thing of like lifelong friendship. Like, they're supposed to have known each other since they were little kids and been so close and then also just be, like, betraying the shit out of each other. Whereas, like, Rory and Paris, believably, it's not like... I was going to say this, yeah. yeah. With Lucas, also, he, like, meets everyone when he joins the basketball team, but he's lived in the same small town as all of them since he was a baby. So then him, like, becoming part of the popular circle, he still knew everybody. And then with, like... Rory comes to a new school, meets Paris when she's 16, and then they're enemies who, like, they start becoming friends, and then that shatters again. It's, like, a very fragile friendship. Yeah. Also, I think their competition makes sense because there is objectively only one number one spot, whereas Mm -hmm. there is other boys to fuck. Like, that's why it is understandable that they have to be in competition and they're at the same school so they can't leave the competition like they're locked yeah. in a competition whereas you don't have you can 
either be best friends who don't fuck the same guy or you could be enemies who fuck the same guy. But the idea that you would stay best friends who stay fucking the same guy seems implausible to me. Yeah. I just feel like for Paris and Rory to have, like, had a couple of, like, friendship-shattering moments because their friendship didn't wasn't founded on anything very serious until later on is very believable. Like, that, it makes sense. And also for Paris to be, like the number one overachiever at an overachieving private school and then have someone just like swoop in and threaten all of that and get the attention of the guy that she has a crush on. It's like, of course Paris hates this bitch. Like why? I don't know what is more believable because there is also Chad Michael Murray is obviously a through line here in which Chad Michael Murray is adored by both girls on One Tree Hill and also by Rory and Paris. Like that's a very important plot line. That's when Paris really fucking starts hating Rory is because Tristan wants to fuck her. But like, I will say, I don't know what's more believable, that you would forgive someone you've known since you were a child for some shitty behavior, or you would grow a friendship with somebody who, like, lest we forget the Paris, like, exposes that Rory's mom is fucking their teacher to the whole school. She, like, actively sabotages her chances of getting into Yale. She, like, spreads really intense rumors. Like, how could you start to build trust from scratch with somebody that behaved that way? I guess it's because none of Paris's like mega sabotage had any like lasting effects. Like it wasn't like seeing someone's boyfriend and like completely shattering trust. Like, yeah, Paris tried to shatter her Yale dreams, but she like did still get into Yale and Paris didn't. Like, I feel like it really embarrassed Rory that Paris exposed that. Well, no, Paris got into Yale. She didn't get into Harvard. Everybody wanted to go to Harvard. They ended up at Yale. Right, right. So then they both both got in. (laughs) And then... And then I feel like Paris exposing the mom thing like was very embarrassing, but didn't have any like lasting damage in her life. Like she was just like, yeah, that fucking sucks that everyone found out. Like she just didn't want that to happen. And then also she and Paris don't really form like a real lasting friendship until Paris gets some like very notable hands-on emotional help. Like she has a literal life coach who's been like treating her. And they don't really create, like, a lasting, like, true friendship until they're at Yale when Paris has been, like, going to intensive therapy. <laughs> yeah. So, like, obviously all three of these friendships, like, do prevail. Like, what do you think is the line? Like, what do you think could possibly have happened where it's, like, okay, we, I mean, I guess in One Tree Hill it's, like, Hillary Burton quit the show. But, like, there's still, like, friends, like, in theory, whatever. Like, do you think there's a line? Like, do you think if Blair, like, released a sex tape of Serena or, like murdered her brother like where is the line where these people would actually stop being friends I feel like there is oh yeah I also wanted to say really quick when you mentioned Chad Michael Murray is a three line one time when I lived in Los Angeles he was at the gym that I went to which was like a really weird shitty gym and there was two downstairs treadmills and a bunch of upstairs treadmills and he was on the downstairs one just like jogging and I just realized I like couldn't stop staring at him and then he looked at me so you're part of the problem did you want this treadmill? And then I was like, I'll just go upstairs. And I'll... He, he, and then you called Claire and like, you're a bitch. I hate you. You just like felt the urge to ruin a female friendship. I just want to say like that is a part of it that I do understand. Oh, can I actually also say something now that you mention it? I had a high school boyfriend for four years that I was obsessed with, but he had an older brother who looked exactly like Chad Michael Murray. And oh. he was like the background on my computer for a while. So I guess I would fuck... My boyfriend's brother, if it was Chad Michael Murray, because yeah. I almost fucked my boyfriend's brother because he looks like Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> okay. It's just hard. It's like a, it's a real look. But, okay, so what is the line that 
would be too much to cross. For me, it would be if they fucked my like. I I just no don't no, even no not even for us for these yeah. characters. Like, what do we think would actually make Serena one of them would have to friends over with the other one. Mm-hmm. I think I think if one of them literally murdered the other one, the friendship would end. <laughs> I have I have a theory. So I'm not a teen melodrama expert, but I am a Real Housewives expert, and I can say as somebody who's watched every season of Real Housewives, every season there's like an unforgivable act committed against the other one where you're like, well, they'll never come back from this, and then a season later they like completely forget and move on. And I will say an incredible trait of women is that while we do stay angry, we also get angry about so many things. It's almost like you can't, you can only hold but so many qualms and grievances at a time. And at some point, like all, they're all the same size. And if you add a new one, you'll drop the bottom one. And I do so think like, since in real life, I've seen like, if you're stuck in the same room as somebody, you're going to forgive them for almost anything. Okay. Yeah. And by room, I mean, opening credits. If you're stuck in the opening credits with another woman, you will forgive her. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Lisa Rinna and Kim Richards will never forgive each other. Um, that's because Kim Richards is not still on the show. If Kim Richards had been on the show the whole time since then, they would have made up. Okay, all right, that's fair. Yeah, it's like, I think that now that they don't live in the same town, like Peyton moved with Lucas because she left the show. Um, I think that like now if there was like an unforgivable act committed and they lived in different cities, they would just like never talk again. But because they like kept staying so near each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if Blair, if, Serena, like, actually made good on her word and moved to L.A. Like, she and Blair would never talk again. So, okay. So, final question, because we are running out of time. Who, of everyone we've discussed, who would you want to be friends with? You get one. Who's your most, like, Paris Paris? Paris Geller. Paris Geller or Rory Gilmore? Paris Geller. Okay. Okay. All right. Why? Just because... Because I think she has a naked ambition that, like, she has objects that she wants that she can touch and point to. Like, it's hard to be friends with a woman who wants your general it quality. You can be friends with a woman who's like, what I want is to be the best student. And you're like, well, I can, I know the boundaries here. Like, I want to be the best student and I want to fuck Tristan. I can see those two things and either, and like, respect the Tristan thing and, like, agree to disagree on the best student thing. But, like, if your best friend wants to just, like, have the way people treat you like you can't share that you can't respect that you can't set healthy boundaries around that and that I think is undoable okay all right Ashley I like very much agree with the Paris thing but I don't want to do that one because you already did it thanks um I would say Brooke because I know that she did I guess fuck Peyton's boyfriend but um no she didn't fuck Peyton's boyfriend Peyton like wasn't dating Lucas no when Brooke oh, right, Nathan. Oh, yeah, Brooke did fuck Nathan. But, they had okay. technically just broken up. Yeah, okay. Like, so that night. I think that's, like, obnoxious, but aside from that, like, I do feel like she has this, like, psychotic need to protect Peyton, even though Peyton is, like, just, like, constantly just, like, a moody piece of shit. She's, like, such a... Peyton offers nothing. Like, literally yeah. offers nothing. Peyton's always like, I'm sad and I'm hurt and I need someone to help me. And Brooke's like, I'm trying to help you. And Peyton's like, a boy, though. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so I feel like Brooke is, like, she, like, tries so hard to be a good friend. And Peyton is just, like, not helpful, you know? Like, Peyton just can't receive it. I think those are solid answers. I still think I'd want to be friends with Blair just because I like her the most. But... Blair's fun. <laughs> I would just, like, want to be, like, Blair would eviscerate me emotionally and spiritually, and, like, I am a lunar Pisces, and like, I would, like, probably be driven into an insane asylum, but, like, I'm ready for that. Like, I just, I just want to live in Blair's world. Like, I'm just, like, all of these people are so shitty to each other that I'm, like, I might as well just be with the queen bee who, like, 
you know, I'll like, I also think Blair wouldn't see me as a threat. So I think we could have a very real friendship. Like, what if Blair respects you and isn't threatened by you? She's like, cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like if Blair viewed me as just like, honestly, like, there is no female equivalent because she hates them all. But if what about that one girl that turned out to be a prostitute? Julia? Oh. No, the girl who, remember, she, like, met her at, like, a party one time when Chuck was, like, you don't have any college friends when she was oh, at NYU. Oh, yeah, and she hired a prostitute to be her friend? No, she thought the girl was her friend, and then it turns out the girl was, like, a high-priced call girl who um, was just using her to get into, like, fancy parties and meet better clients. But she, like, at first was just like, oh, this girl has, like, great taste in clothes and we can chat. (laughs) Yeah, I could have a nice chat to her. Um, All right, I'd stick with Blair. All right, guys, I (laughs) think that's all we have time for. Tell me, what do y'all want to plug? What's going on? We have a new project we're so excited about. Yeah. It's coming out soon. We think it's going to be our best project of the 19 we've tried yet. We can't wait. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, project is going to be about celebrity memoirs. So if you like celebrities and the truth, we're diving into it. Does that project have a name? Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Yeah. Celebrity it won't memoir. exist until after quarantine ends. And it's an audio experience? It's a podcast. It's a podcast. It's an podcast. auditory experience. Okay. All right. Amazing. Well, everyone keep an eye out for that. Claire and Ashley are amazing. Thank you all so much for listening. And this Thank has been the Melodramatic having- Teen Universe. 